You are listening to the Sound and Faith Podcast, coming to you from Faith Baptist Fellowship in beautiful Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It's lovely. It's lovely. A little bit of snow. A little bit of snow. My name is Pastor Thomas Slauson. And I'm Pastor Mike Johnson. Our aim is to encourage the saints of Faith Baptist Fellowship and anyone else who might be listening to believe sound doctrine and to live lives that adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's good to have you back, Pastor Mike. Thanks. Yeah. Missed you last week. It was awesome, though. I loved I loved hearing Pastor Jimmy and you. And yeah, your good word on discipleship. It was so it was so much fun. Um, you know, you you know, we get sick every now and then, and that's just how life goes. Uh, but it was great to have Pastor Jimmy on and get the ball rolling on that conversation having to do with discipleship. Yes. So maybe maybe I don't know. You want to just jump right in? Yeah, let's just jump right in today because. You know, we we got the ball rolling last week with the conversation about what is discipleship, what does it mean? Could you uh, recap just a little bit? Yeah, I mean, so essentially, what it boils down to is discipleship in a, in a Christian context. Because Jimmy Jimmy made a very good point that we're all being discipled in some way, shape, or form. We're all following someone in something. We're all following some line of thinking. But in a Christian context, it is following and being obedient to Jesus Christ Amen. in our lives. Um, and so the Great Commission, uh, when Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, he wants us to go out and, and make followers of Jesus Christ and teach them to observe all that he has commanded. And so it is a lifelong process of following Jesus. It's not something you just do one time. It is, it is a, you become a follower of Jesus, but you continue to follow him mm. and be conformed to his image and obey him. So if people listen to this in real time, like they it, it drops this Friday, yeah. you know, um, you're preaching this Sunday. Yes. Do you think you'll talk about discipleship? <laughs> yeah, and it's great. I absolutely will. I'll be preaching from John chapter 1, verses 35 through 42, and it's about Jesus calling his first disciples. So the, the theme of discipleship is alive and well right now in our church. We talked about it last week. Uh, we're talking about it on the podcast this week. It'll come up in the sermon this Sunday, and it, I'm looking ahead to the text on the 25th coming up that you're yeah. going to be preaching on. Looks like it's there again, too. And in our elder retreat. And in our elder retreat, yeah. yeah in a big way. It was a, a buzzword, one of the buzzwords as we were talking about where we want to be as a church and grow yeah. as a church. So awesome. So if you're listening to this on Friday or Saturday... Make sure you're here. It's going to be a great sermon. If you're listening to this on Monday or Tuesday, wasn't that a great sermon? It really <laughs> so, there you I go. haven't preached it yet, yeah. um, but uh, I am looking forward to preaching the text. It's yeah. it's such a great text. It's that you know it just highlights the beauty of the culture of discipleship and 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 that's a word that we're going to talk about today. That's the title of this episode. What is a culture of discipleship? What does that mean? You know? Yeah. Uh, why are we using that expression? Yeah. So like. I was thinking about how to illustrate that. If one time I went to a tribe in Central America uh, that was very remote, and one of the missionaries warned us that they had a culture of thievery mm. uh, in, among that tribe. And what they meant was um, it, it was totally okay to steal so long as you didn't get caught. If you got caught, there was consequences, but stealing uh, was kind of a, a part of their culture. They've ingrained this thievery into their culture. And so basically he was telling us to be careful with our stuff. But, you know, when you think about that, I knew exactly what he meant. He meant that thieving happens all the time, mm. that it's commonplace, that I should expect it, that I, won't, that I shouldn't be surprised if I see it. 
uh, that it is everywhere, that, that people are teaching one another how to do it. Uh, they're learning how to steal at young ages and all through life, <laughs> you know, all of those yeah. things. There's a culture of thievery uh, in that tribe, sadly. I mean, I'm sure, I'm hoping by now the gospel has had its way among that people yeah. group, and they have uh, they have renounced that culture and traded in for a culture of discipleship. But if, but if you think about a culture of discipleship, it's the same thing, right? You right. expect yeah. it, you want, you 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 know it's going to happen. Uh, you you just you're aware of it. You're not surprised when you see it happening. Uh, it's everywhere. It's pervasive. People are talking about it. People are teaching one another how to do it. That's what we mean by culture of discipleship. Yeah, and and so we want that to be part of the natural life of our church. We yes. want it to be pervasive. Yes. And um, I, I'll just throw this out there. I mean, we talk about this at Faith a lot. We really have a strong culture of prayer mm. here at Faith. Mm. A couple of weeks ago when we had Pastor Dana on talking about why do we pray the Word, you know, one of the things that's been ingrained strongly in this church is this culture of prayer. Mm. When we have, when we, when we reach out to the Lord all the time in all of our circumstances. And um, I mean, and so when we talk about a culture of discipleship, I, I hope, and let me clarify here from a pastoral perspective, we're not saying that we don't have a culture no, of discipleship not, not at all. faith. No, not at all. We're, we're saying we're looking to the Lord to grow in our culture right. of discipleship as a church, you know, and so it's no critique. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's just pushing forward. We believe God has called us to have that kind of culture, and, and as pastors and leaders, elders, we want to see that happen. Right, and, and so we, well, like we say, we have a culture, we have a culture of prayer. We, we want to always grow and maintain that culture yes. of prayer, and, and the same thing with a culture of discipleship. I, I do believe we have a culture of discipleship here. We always want to be growing. We always yes. want to keep that fanned into flame, as it were. Uh, and so that's an important thing to, to to point out there. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. We're not we're not breaking new ground. Yeah, that was one of the things I was encouraged by our our, our elder retreat is that I didn't feel like we were coming up with anything novel. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. like we were we were talking about what it means to be the church. Yeah, and 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 just wanting to continue as a as a group of believers to grow into that. Well, let's let's dive in on this episode then, because last week was more. I would say we got a little bit into some specifics with Jimmy, but it was a lot more thirty thousand foot view of discipleship. When we talk about discipleship, when we start talking about building a culture of discipleship, uh, the way Jimmy put it was, "There's more than one way to skin a cat." Yeah, or maybe he told me that in a text message. I don't know if there if cats came up in last week's episode, right. but. You know, if you're a cat lover, that's just an expression. Sorry about that. Yeah. yeah, it's more than one way to skin a chicken. Actually, you know what that comes from? Skin a cat. <laughs> What's that? It's it's how to skin a catfish. Oh, you know, you can nail it really? to the tree and pull it off. You yeah, can, yeah, because there's, uh, you know, it's it's yeah. typically hard to skin a catfish. It's yeah. not about it's not about like you're fuzzy. It's about it's a southern phrase. Probably from the bayous of Louisiana. See, I grew up using that <laughs> phrase, yeah. and I had no idea. Yeah, so it's I'm from the south, and so I, okay. that's why I know that. But yeah. it's 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 about catfish. So rest, you know, rest easy, my cat loving friends. All right, that's bonus information yeah. for everyone today. Nothing it has to do nothing with to do with discipleship. Um, but you know, there's more than one way to go about discipleship. You you maybe could have a formal way of doing it, an informal way of doing it. What are some of those differences? What does that look like practically? Sure. Well, okay. So there's a lot that goes on in the church that is actually discipleship in yeah. a formal sense. You know, uh, so when I preach on a Sunday morning, or when you preach this Sunday, that's formal discipleship. We 
we are discipling people in the context of the congregation mm. and in a very formal way. It's set, it's, 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 it's ingrained in our tradition, it's, um, you know, there's, uh, there's nothing really informal about it. We, we know all ab- about what's about to happen, and, yeah. you know, it's, it's set up for the it, purpose of, of discipleship. And you could say that all of the elements of our worship in some, form, in some way do that. Yes. When our elders uh, lead a pastoral prayer, there is an element yeah. of discipleship that's happening. There is. All of those things. Yeah, I would say that there's also informal things happening during that time, mm-hmm. like um, the fellowship, the... You know, when you're gathered around uh, in the back there and you're talking about um, a hard thing you went through that week and, and, and you asked a question, so what did the Lord teach you through that? There's some discipleship going on there that's informal, Yeah. but I, I'd say uh, the majority of what we do on a Sunday morning, I think it's at, like the Sunday school classes, all of those things, That that's all formal discipleship. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in, informal, I would say, is like... Um, Outside of the program, outside of the plan, where we get together with with other believers and we try to teach them uh, what it means to follow Jesus, uh, outside of the you know uh, teaching, preaching ministries of the church. Yeah, could you could you say and, and correct me if I'm wrong here? Could you say there there are elements of uh, within that all of that? There's elements of active discipleship and passive discipleship. What I mean by passive is when I see uh, a mature believer and how they go about their Christian life, it, it has an impact upon me. I mean, I remember in my young years when I was a new father watching some older mm. Christian fathers and mothers uh, lead their families well. And it wasn't as if they were sitting down to me and saying, you do this, you do this, right. you do this. Like, I watched them. I watched them have family worship time. You know, I watched them shepherd their children. I watched how they spoke to their wives. All of those things like that, that discipled me. Yeah. Uh, and even there, there may not have been a conscious like uh, setting out to say, hey, we're going to do this. I'm going to teach you how to speak to your wife. But they modeled that even in yeah. their lives. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right, you know? And, you know, Philippians, the book of Philippians mm. has a lot um, to say about that. You know, imitate such men, Yeah, uh, Paul says, right? Like, and he talks about Timothy and Epaphroditus and these guys who love Jesus and followed Christ, and he's saying, follow them. Don't follow these other guys. There's there's bad passive discipleship, too. Don't follow these other guys who are out for selfish ambition and those mm. kind of things, but follow these men. Follow guys like Timothy, yeah. uh, who, who cared for the interest of others, or Epaphroditus, who even though he was sick, cared for you, you know, and cared for uh, the flock of God. Yeah. In a personal uh, context where maybe it's one-on-one or a friendship or relationship, yeah. can you also have informal, informal discipleship happening there? I, th- I think so, and I'm not sure how important the divide is w- between mm. those two at that level. Like, um, I, I think you can be more structured yeah. Or less structured, you know, um, with your discipleship. So I had a good brother who did both with me for a long time. Like, uh, we, we would sit down and we'd study the scriptures together, and he'd point out things and those kind of things. And then he'd also, like, invite me to go with him somewhere to help him load a truck or mm. or something, you know? So there was both going on, you know? Mm. And, and I think in his mind, I'm sure of it, actually, uh, in his mind, all of that was him discipling me. Mm. You know, yeah. one was, like, hands and feet, you know, let's just see how to do life and work and, yeah. you know, 
live for Christ with our lives, and the other was, uh, and, and then some of the passive stuff you talked about too, like I'd spend the night uh, at his house and see his family and see how he interacted with his wife and mm, his children, yeah, and all of that, I know, I know he wanted me to see so that not just I would think like that he's awesome or something, but that I would go away and say, I, I want to follow Christ like that. Yeah. I, I have to add this in because, you know, I, I think a lot of times people think, and, and I don't want to dissuade people from doing this kind of stuff, but discipleship has to be in every circumstance, you know, older man going to a younger man, older woman going to a younger woman, hey, why don't we start getting together for a Bible study every week? Now, that kind of stuff is phenomenal, mm. and if you have the ability to engage in that type of relationship, by all means. I mean, the, the, some of the most valuable times in my life were people doing that kind of stuff with me, but there are also numerous other legitimate ways to engage in informal discipleship with people that I think can be very valuable. Yes. I, I mean, you're a hunter, right? Yeah. Can, can a deer stand be a means to discipleship. No, you have to be quiet, because <laughs> the deer will be afraid if they hear you. No, but Boy, I, you just smeared my example. Actually, I, I got into hunting to disciple my son. Yeah. You know, yeah. my sons, you know. I, I wanted to do that so that I could teach them something about life. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so definitely a lot of informal discipleship, but, but certainly we're quiet when we're hunting and all of that, right. you know, so it's not the verbal thing going on there, but... Uh, that yeah, you know, there's lots of discipleship that was going on in that. But some of the richest times early on when I was in ministry and I was I was leading some youth in a small Mississippi town, um, we we there was like I would call it paintball discipleship. Wow, there were groups of us that would get together quite literally. Friends, you heard it here first. There's something called paintball <laughs> discipleship. We would get together two to three times a month. I mean, it was happening very often, and all like all these kids in our youth group and other youth groups started buying paintball guns. We'd go out and play in the woods. We'd play for a couple hours. We'd sit around. We'd light up a, a campfire afterwards. We'd, you know, we'd laugh. We would talk, and it would just be a time to start opening up about, you know, the things of the Lord. And and many of those guys now, uh, you know, through the multitude of influences in life, are following the Lord now and faithfully raising their families. Yeah. So I think we look for those opportunities, even in things like loading a truck or, yeah, you know, stuff like that, to help point people to Christ. But if I could push back just a tad. Absolutely. Um, it, you know, in the early aughts, there was the do life, let's do life together uh, movement, you know, where everybody was talking about doing life together. Yeah. Um, and, and there was a, a purposeful minimizing of the structured, formal, intentional right. things, aspects of discipleship. Um, and I, I think, um, and, you know, like it, it boils down to two guys fishing and not talking, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> well, Yes, you know, those things are part of doing life together, and they're important, and they're part of discipleship even, but um, I think they're impotent without without an intentionality of, I want yeah. to help this person see, see Jesus and grow in, in Christ-likeness, and, you know, there has to be that intentionality. Without that intentionality, you're just doing what everybody does in this world, you yeah. know, and uh, that's not necessarily discipleship, or not the kind of discipleship we're after. Like, it's kind of what Pastor Jimmy was talking about. It's discipling in a—it it could be discipling in a godless way, you know, like yeah. a, a, a way that doesn't have anything to do with with God or, or, or Christ or the gospel. So I think there does need to be an element of intentionality. Yes, um, I think that's the key right yeah. there. Uh, and, and that's uh, that's totally. I wasn't wasn't uh, 
wasn't trying to get away from that. Right. I think there there has to be intentionality, but we can be intentional too. In uh, we want to be intentional with with you know maybe a more structured way of going around about studying the Bible. Yeah, and even in just the regular everyday activities, still be intentional. Yes, be intentional in yeah. those. Be intentional in taking your son hunting. Be yeah. intentional in playing paintball or even even the loading your refrigerator. You know, like even the conversations. You know, like um, you brought up hunting so you go hunting it's an unsuccessful hunt mm. uh you, you you drive home and the things you talk about can have that kind of intentionality mm, yeah of, of, of why it's okay that sometimes things don't work out the way we want and why it's okay that sometimes we pray for things to happen and they don't happen and i mean lots of life conversations can happen uh with some intentionality yeah you know? and and I, I, I personally love the older, younger dynamic, and I think that's really important, although I do think there's a lot of mutual discipleship that can happen, but I think the older, younger, older in the faith, younger in the faith dynamic is super helpful uh, in that um, there are people who could really benefit from me, you know, because I've walked down the road a little bit further yeah, than them, yeah. and there are people who've walked down the road further than me, and I can learn from them, yes. you know, and I need to learn from yeah. them. And so there's that dynamic going on. I think that's from God, I do, I, you know, yeah, so that absolutely. there's discipleship happening in those areas, and uh, older women are teaching younger women, and older men are teaching younger men, and all of those things. So as we move on here in our in our conversation, we're talking about, you know, we've talked a lot about informal, formal discipleship, what that looks like. I think you, you hit the nail on the head. Intentionality needs to be the case. We always need to be intentional Amen. Uh, in, in, in discipling others within the church, whether that be in informal context, formal context. You know, um, can, can things become or, or ever become overly programmed? Is there a... <laughs> is there a a danger of that. Oh man, yeah, there is. <laughs> you know, and we could look at programming and think effectiveness or mm. um, fruit. You know, I, things that aren't necessarily attached to to just having programs. You know, yeah. uh, now now programming can be very good, and I think the intentionality is super important. And we want to be people who think about how to do this well. And so there's programming that I think could be helpful. But I think we could equate in the same way that I don't know about you, but if I have an especially busy week, I often think that I've just done a lot yes, of good. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, but I can be very busy and get nothing done. You know, I, I can be very busy <laughs> and have no fruit. You, you, you know. Yeah. And so, yes, uh, programming is important. Um, I don't think it's. I don't think it's everything, and I think we we need to be careful not to throw program programming out because we often throw intentionality out. Right. But uh, also not see programming as the end all. And when we say programming, we mean like having discipleship classes, um, um, that the the informal or the you know Bible studies and those kind of things, uh, faith groups. All of those are programming. I mean, mm-hmm. in a sense, yeah, yeah. Uh, we we have programs here at Faith. Lots. Uh, we you know through all of our middle hour classes, the Sunday school, the youth, uh, all of those things are in a sense programs. Yes. And and they're intentional ways of going about discipling yeah. people. Uh, uh, along with that, I love I love that you said that last thing. Intentional ways, even in those, we can be we we can forget the intentionality though. Mm, you, you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Like we can yeah, just do our thing. Danger. We can just do our thing, and the intentionality not be there, and the helpfulness also not be there. Yeah, to the same degree. That's easy. So it's one of those things where we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. Another great expression that yeah. I love. Um, 
we have to figure out the etymology of that one because that doesn't have to do with catfish. I, I explained that to a Russian one time, <laughs> and they were like, "We totally don't understand what you're saying right there." <laughs> They've got some funny ones. <laughs> They've though. got some funny ones you know, too. They... Anyway, but we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater because there are intentional, planned ways of going about doing yes. stuff that are good and, and they're, they're good. helpful. But you don't ever want to lose the intentionality. But there's also a danger in thinking that unless we have a program, discipleship cannot happen. Right. Right. And, and again, goes back to the intentionality. Well, so you brought this up at our elder meeting, our elder retreat a couple of weekends ago, uh, this theme of a culture of discipleship at faith came up multiple times. Yeah. Uh, so, something that's definitely on the hearts of all of our elders here, and I believe on the hearts of our members at faith. You know, how does the leadership then at faith, how do we intend to see a culture of discipleship continue to grow at our church. Mm. I love I love that question. Um, and if you think of if you think of like how you know Pastor Dana was pretty influential on in this, how how he was able to really develop and grow a culture of prayer. Uh, you know, mm. at, the, at the very basic level, <clears throat> he prayed. Yes, you know, and uh, and he prayed together with other believers and he organized prayer and there's prayer happening and prayer on purpose and and I think you can do the same thing and just replace the word prayer with culture although you know we're still gonna do the prayer <laughs> you know we're we want both you know and I think that they're both intertwined actually you know um, but we are going to we're gonna model it you know like one of the ways I think leaders can be very effective in spreading a culture of discipleship is by discipling like right themselves, yeah, yeah. Like serious about discipleship. Like when I'm serious about discipling younger men, and I'm I'm wanting them to grow in the Lord and you know prepare themselves for eldership one day and and those kind of things. Uh, when I'm when I'm serious about that, they're going to catch that and they're going to do that. Yes. And 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 if we have we have nine elders, if all nine of those elders, if if all of us were doing that, and I'm not saying we're not. Again, we're growing in this, but uh, if 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 all of us do that. I mean, think of the impact. Yeah. And think of the spread of that. If you're around me for any length of period of time and you hear my testimony, the name Steve Knott is going to come up, hmm. someone who is incredibly influential uh, in my young Christian life, in my early, you know, early to mid-20s, uh, even on into my 30s. And, you know, I just remember how he took me under his wing and discipled me. Hmm. Uh, there was a lot of life-on-life -life discipleship, always intentional. There was some very structured things that we did. But, you know, I just remember thinking, God, give me the opportunity to be a Steve Knott to someone oh, that's else awesome. one day, you that's know? Awesome. And, and so, you know, he he didn't say, Thomas, now you go out and do this. He modeled it. Yeah. And he he lived it in such a way that it's like, man, I, I really want to do that one day. Yeah. I, I want to be able to... You know, not, you, we don't mean that in a prideful, arrogant way. We just be like, you know, Lord, as, as you grow me and give me experience in different areas of life and teach me things... You know, it's it's what Paul commands uh, others to do: teach others. Yes. You know that they would also be able to instruct. Yeah, Second Timothy two. Yeah, right? the things that you have learned among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men who will also teach other men yeah. also. Yeah, right. Or yeah, I said also twice, but yeah. So that's awesome. Uh, you know, I have the similar stories. Like it's it's interesting as I look back. 
there's high level instruction in my life that mm-hmm. has been helpful. You know, um, there's been pastors who uh, who I didn't know very well who massively impact my life through their teaching mm-hmm. and yeah. through opening the word to me, showing me how that's done and those kind of things. And there are others I don't even know, you know, or, or know well, you know, like. Um, I, I could drop names, John Piper, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, his books and his preaching, his, God has really used that in my life. And uh, John Stott, you know, uh, his books, God has really used in my life. Uh, Spurgeon, you know, his yeah. preaching has been massively used. Didn't know, I don't know, I, I've met John Piper a couple of times, but I don't know him, and I, I, I haven't met th- these other guys, you know, it's, it's all through their... I hope you haven't met Spurgeon yet. Nah, <laughs> one day I will. <laughs> one day. I like that you said yet. <laughs> yeah. <you know>. Uh, <clears throat> High level stuff, right? Like, right. Yeah, but but a lot of my growth came through unknown men like Rick, uh, who was a youth pastor when I was uh, just becoming a believer, and who discipled me. And mm. uh, Raymond in Florida, uh, who I hope hears this, you know, because uh, he God massively used him in my life, uh, just the day to day. Uh, watching him lead and all of those kind of things. Uh, John in Shadron, uh, how God used him in my life. Like, uh, it's it's not the the the, the well known names, you know, the high level yeah. discipleship that had the most impact in my life. I mean, it's hard to say what was most right, but man, God used those men. Can I can I say something yeah. very pastoral here for a moment? Especially, I want to say this to um, the the men and the women in our church who have been walking with the Lord. Uh, and are and are known as as faithful followers of Christ. The younger believers are watching you. Yes, yeah, they're watching you. Everything you do is important. I remember we had Daryl Runyon's funeral here mm. uh, last fall. You know, sudden passing, and uh, just a beautiful service. And and I I had a brother here at church come up to me afterward that. I don't know if he actually knew Daryl super well. I knew who he was. They had met, and they had gotten together a couple of times. Uh, but there wasn't like this lifelong relationship. But he had tears in his eyes and mm. just how, my goodness, I I hope that Christ is honored like that one day if I pass. What a good know? word. What you know, and word. just... Uh, it, it was. It, when when you pass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, when I pass, yeah. But, but the point there <laughs> was, the you know, um, people were watching his life. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's just a, an encouragement. I think you're part of that culture of discipleship. Is be aware, brothers and sisters out there, especially you who are older and been walking with the Lord. You're being watched. Yes, and I mean that as an encouragement. Right. You know, model that godliness in all that you do, and uh, you're because you're teaching and you're instructing at the same time. And you know, like what a massive role you can play in. Like I, I'm thinking of elderly people, mm-hmm. you know, uh, who have known the gospel all their lives and lived for Christ. Um, man, what a, you know, I, I know I know a lot of times a, a guy in that situation could start thinking, man, I'm not useful anymore, I'm not, you know, I'm not involved anymore, what could I do in the church, you know, like, man, yeah. disciple a younger man mm-hmm. to love Jesus, love yeah. his wife, love his kids, uh, you know, and, and learn to disciple others. Like, I think... Massive impact. Yeah, Massive absolutely, impact. absolutely. I want to throw this in there, and and I know this is one of those episodes I can tell we're both getting really excited about the subject matter. It could go really long. So mm-hmm. for the sake of time, I'll try to keep this brief, but when we talk about our, our wanting to grow our culture of discipleship here at Faith, uh, you know, the structure's already there. The, the foundation's already there. We have a culture of discipleship. We want to continue to grow that. 
And, and this little mug that I'm holding right here, and if you're watching the video, you and I both have the same yeah, mug today. it's a good mug. Um, we do have a couple of these in the resource center if you want one. But we've got these, these five little icons hmm. on here. Uh, we've got a love, we've got like a heart in a box, and then followed by five icons. And we've got one that represents the Trinity, so love God. We've got one that's got an open Bible with hands praying, love God's word and prayer. Uh, to you know, a, a friend with his arm around mm. the shoulder of another friend, love one another. Some little houses that looks like a neighborhood, love our neighbors, and then the cross, love the gospel. Our five loves are really a, a beautiful way to say this is our culture of discipleship: loving God, His Word, and prayer, one another, loving our neighbors, loving the gospel. We cultivate those things in our lives, whether it be through formal or informal things, both with intentionality. Uh, but seeing those grow in our lives is, is really that th- those pillars that kind of hold up that culture of discipleship that we have. Yes, and you know, I, 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 the beautiful thing with that is we are well positioned to grow in our discipleship culture. Yeah, yeah. You know, everything is there. Everything is in place. We're we're there. You know, we love the gospel. We love one another. We we have good values. We're we're on the right path. You know. And so now's the time, we believe as elders, now is the time to press into this mm-hmm. and, and to really grow as disciplers and disciplees. You know, like we want to, and, and I, I'd say, uh, you know, if you're thinking about how to do that, like just you're, you're listening and you're part of faith and you're, how can I grow this culture of discipleship? Well, take in, like, who are you discipling? Yeah, yeah. You know, think about that. <laughs> and who can you disciple? Like, look around. And, and one thing I have found is that if there's nobody at, at present that, you know, I start praying, Lord, would you bring somebody in my life that I can mm. really influence and really encourage? And he does. Yes. You know, like uh, the, sometimes even that day, somebody will come to mind, and I'll, oh, I could, I could really encourage that brother. Yeah. Cup of coffee, yeah. lunch, breakfast, get together, invite him over, take him out. You know, well, so many opportunities yes. out there. And, and if the Lord open, you know, be intentional in all of it. If the Lord opens up to say, hey, let's start reading a book together, let's yep. start studying a book of the Bible, absolutely pursue that. Uh, but, but yeah, I think that's a great word there, Pastor Mike. Well, let, let's start kind of bringing this in together here right now because we, we've talked about the culture of discipleship, what it means, programmed, uh, planned, you know, some of those pitfalls perhaps. Uh, of of going too far in one direction or or not doing enough and not being intentional, Let, let's let's kind of hone this in. You know, when we talk about the mission of the church is to make disciples and equip them for growth and service. That's our mission here at Faith, and we want to do that among all the nations. How does this discipleship that we do among one another relate to reaching out to our neighbors, yeah. evangelizing the world? global missions, all of those things. Well, let me take one of those, and I think it's representative. So um, global evangelism. Uh, how does discipleship reach the Kurds in northern Iran? Mm. Okay, so discipleship in in uh, western Nebraska, how does that affect the Kurds in northern Iran? It's Iraq, Iraq I think. I mean, I'm sorry, Iraq. Yeah, yeah. yeah northern Iraq, yeah. Um, so I'm, I want to talk about KJ. I, I can't say her name right. because she works there. Um, but KJ is her initial, like a, her, uh, yeah, we'll just call her KJ. Um, she went to our home group. Uh, she became part of our family, kind of. Um, we, 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 we encouraged her in the Word. We, we, we saw her grow in the church. She was mm. a part in every way in the church. Um, we did our very best to informally disciple her and then see her discipled in the formal ways in the church, too. 
and she grew. God was at work in her life. She saw missions yeah. being preached and talked about. And when she graduated college, she 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 let it be known to the elders, I believe God is sending me to the nations. Where mm. should I go? Mm. And today she's serving in Kurdistan in northern Iraq. And she is uh, she's got Arabic and she is learning Kurd Kurdish and Man, God's at work among her, you know, yeah. and and so much in every way, you know, yeah. and, and you can take every element of what you mentioned, evangelism, outreach, all of those things, and it works the same way. We we train up people uh, through discipleship, a lot of times, mostly through informal discipleship. Yes, yes, and uh, and and God uses that to bring about yeah discipleship. To the nations, we have other examples like that at our church too. We have another brother, I won't mention his name, but uh, discipled along in this church, taught, equipped, uh, who is now uh, seeking to reach a completely unreached people group with the gospel. So what we in do in Eastern he- Europe, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you think about, uh, you know, I love thinking about this a lot, and and I'm even going to allude to this some in my sermon on Sunday, so I won't give too much away, but you know. You're here today as a believer, and, and if you could trace back who told you about mm. Jesus and mm. who told that person about Jesus, you could keep going back to, to the those apostles. to the apostles yeah. in the upper room. It started there. The gospel, the gospel went forth, and someone told someone who yeah. told someone, and it kept going until the word came to your ears. There's a there's a discipleship yeah. parentage. Right, like yeah. it goes all the way back to the gospel uh, as it was in real time unfolding. Yeah. You know, I had a roommate in seminary who was from a min- minority people group in Myanmar, and in the story of the conversion of his tribe was just so beautiful. You know, it was missionaries that had come there and had labored for for many many years uh, to communicate the gospel to his people group a hundred and fifty years ago, and you know through that conversion. Uh, he, you know, is walking with the Lord. He went to seminary. He went on to become a pastor. What we do now echoes yeah. uh, through eternity. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and I don't want to guilt trip anyone, but if you take that and you you think back about like your own parentage, how God has mm-hmm. used every generation, you know, all the way back to the apostles. It's like a line of dominoes. Yeah, you know, and how tragic it would be if you're, you know, you know, you ever set up dominoes and and there's that one domino that. That, that that everything ends with. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't want it to end with me. No. You know what I mean? Like I, I want the dominoes to keep falling. You yeah. Know, by God's grace. And so there's an encouragement for us to uh keep those dominoes falling, you know, um, so that future generations continue to hear the gospel and you're just in that parentage by God's grace. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, great example right there. So r- wrapping this up here yeah. uh for today, we could keep going on and on, I think, because uh it just it, this is it kind of lights my fire yeah. whenever we start talking about this. But, uh, you know, what if someone says, help, I've never been discipled by anyone. How do I even start? I need someone to disciple me. What yeah. do they do? I think they look around in the local church. Don't go Don't go beyond the local church. Go, go to your local church, and hopefully you go to faith. So it's a yeah. good church. Uh, find a brother who, who you know is walking with the Lord. Or sister. Or sister, yeah. yeah. Or sister. If you're, yeah, if you're a man, find a brother, you yeah. know. Uh, and and go ask him. Uh, would you would you help me? And it could be a, a specific area. Mm. Like, say you're a young man and you're just struggling with the whole balance of 
like how do I be present at home with my kids when when work is stressful and you know those kind of things. Find a brother who you know has has God has worked in his life in that way, mm. and say, "How do you do that? Like, help, help me. Can we can we get coffee together and you just walk me through that? Like, how do I honor God in my family relationships while also serving with my whole heart in my workplace? In other words, ask somebody to disciple you. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great way to do. It. I I point blank remember asking some men hmm. uh, in or early on in my life, my Christian life, disciple me. Yeah, you know, teach me, show me. Um, help me learn. Yeah, I, I it's it's vulnerable. It's yeah. It, it, I think it's a mark of maturity. Yeah, I, I think you know. I want I want to grow so bad that I'm willing to be awkward and say, "Would you help me see things?" Now, what if you've been walking with the Lord for a while and you realize I don't think I've ever discipled anybody or really been intentional about doing that? How what what advice would you give to them? Same thing. Like go go find somebody to you know look around in your local church, yeah. somebody who's struggling who. Um, who who just needs somebody with them, and mm-hmm. and 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 not not the ones that everybody's talking to and you know discipling. Find somebody that no one is, you know, and just hey, would you like to come over for coffee and you know read the word with me, or just talk, or go fishing and and be intentional on in that fishing yeah. trip, you know, th- those kind of things. And I, I will add one point of caution here. Yeah, in all of this, the goal is to get people to become followers of Jesus. Yes. And you're going to talk about this in your sermon yeah, on Sunday. Yeah, uh, never a follower of ourselves, right. uh, never becoming dependent upon us for all of their emotional and, and spiritual needs. We want them to be passionate followers of Jesus yeah. and, and look to Him. And that's the thing about that intentionality is always pointing them to Christ. Another plug for the sermon this Sunday. Listen to that. I know that it's going to point that direction. Uh, the the model of discipleship is uh, follow me as I follow Christ. Absolutely, yeah. Which the end is follow Jesus. Yeah, follow Jesus. Well, good discussion today, Pastor yeah. Mike. I think we have a few questions we do want to get to today. Uh, we'll do these. Uh, and uh, the first one comes to us from Mr. Anonymous. <laughs> it's a real name. Someone no. asked, what are your thoughts on the He Gets Us ads? So these came on during the Super Bowl, yep. and I didn't watch them. They came on last year, too. Uh, they they yeah. did, yeah. I didn't yeah. watch them then either. I, I did watch the Super Bowl, but I didn't really see these ads. I saw the like part of one. Mm. So I don't really know what to say to... I, I do I do know that there's been like a social media storm since then yes. of people saying, no, these are awesome, or these are terrible, or these are great. So I have some thoughts about that, but I don't really have thoughts about the ads themselves. You you watched them though, didn't you? I saw them because yeah. I was watching the game and I wasn't I was sitting here when it came on what for were the commercial. Okay. Bottom line is this, and we could go on and on about this, but I want to keep it simple. Uh, I think knowing who is supporting those ads, and this is public knowledge, it's the people that own Hobby Lobby. Okay. Who are thoroughly evangelical Christians. They may not be on the same theological page as all of us about everything, but they're evangelical Christians. Their intention is very good. They they are trying to pique interest in skeptics, doubters, people who are lost, who are not believers in Jesus Christ, and they are doing that through some ways that I might just call edgy. Mm. My caution would be is that I, I wonder if everything that they're presenting is the best way to go about stirring up that conversation. Mm. 
If it opens up a door for talking to someone and pointing them to the biblical Christ, which when you go to their website for He Gets This, it looks like they're trying to do that. They're saying, now that we've piqued your interest, we want you to read the Bible about Jesus, which I think is a good thing. We do want people to read the Bible. But I, I do worry a little bit, maybe it's a little bait and switchy. They sure. present Jesus in a way that almost seems to be like, oh, he was progressive, he was you know, uh, accepting of everyone without asking them to change. And that's not the case, you know. Uh, so is it the best, am I a huge fan of them? No. Okay. But do I do I absolutely think it, it, the most horrible things on the face of the planet? <laughs> no, I don't think that either. Yeah. I think the intention was good. Let, let me say a couple of things just in broader terms. Uh, one, uh, when I was in Bible college, I would hang out on the campus of you know U of M in Ann Arbor. Is that U of M or Michigan State? Yeah, yeah. U of M in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And there was a street preacher there who was quite caustic in the way that he went about things. Like he was, he he would he would call people uh, all kinds of mean names as they're mm. walking by, uh, right there on the campus. He'd be there every every day, and I would go there not to hear him because I didn't care for the way that he went about it, and I didn't think it was very right. Um, but I would find people who are very disturbed by it, and I talk gospel with them, mm, and it was yeah. very helpful. You yeah. know, so there's ways to even if something's not theologically perfect or, or right on, there's ways to use that for good things. You know, and so the, the he gets me ad, he gets us ad, he gets us, yeah. You know, you, you could use those and, and 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 use them as a segue to gospel talk. You yeah. Know? And the second thing I want to say is just a pastoral word about our culture, and that is we're always looking for something to quibble about. And to, you know, and who us uh, Christians? Really? And I don't, I, I don't think we ought to be that. I yeah. don't think, I don't think we ought to take to social media uh, every time we see something and just, you know, start taking sides and tribe up. And you know, I'm on this side, I'm, you're on that side, you're wrong. You know, um, man, we we have very little time to do a lot of things. Yes, you know, let's 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 do what matters. Let's not become keyboard warriors. Right. So know? those are my two words. Yeah. Use these things for good, and let's not just look for things to. F- argue about. We do have one more anonymous question. Uh, Why don't we celebrate Lent? Okay, so real quick, uh, Lent is that traditional um, celebration of the 40 days before Easter, Mm -hmm. commemorating the time when when Jesus fasted uh, before his temptation. Yeah. Uh, So there's 40 days there, 40 days. And uh, a a lot of churches, uh, notably the Catholic Church, would celebrate Mm -hmm. Lent. Uh, Some Protestant denominations do too. Yeah. Uh, Actually, some Baptist churches do. Um, which they would give up something, or they would, you know, there, there'd be some sort of observance of these uh, forty days of grievous preparation for Easter, you know, for yeah. the joy of Easter. We don't celebrate it, and, and here, here, here's why: um, there's no real theological reason to to not celebrate something. Um, you know, we, we we just look like this, like we would just look at it and say, well, it's a tradition in the church, and there's only so many traditions we can follow. Yeah. <laughs> There's only so many that we can find useful, and Lent hasn't crossed our radar as a useful one uh, yeah. all that much, you know? And so that's one of the ones that, that we don't. And, you, you know, if you followed everything, you, you know, every every day would be uh, part of the liturgical calendar as far as, you know, your celebrations go, you know? Yeah. Uh, so we choose. We choose which ones we find the most helpful, and that's Christian prudence, Christian wisdom, and where we're at, and, you know, yeah. and that's why. I, yeah, would you add to that anything? I no, I don't really have anything to add in that. I grew up in a, in Southeast Louisiana where it was predominantly Catholic, right. and so Lent always had a, a certain association to me with Catholicism. Okay, uh, but at the same time, I don't think there's anything wrong with observing a period of time in which we want to say let's devote ourselves to prayer, 
um, let, you know, maybe dev- devote myself more to fasting yeah. or anything yeah. like that. There's no, there's nothing wrong with nothing that whatsoever. Wrong with that. Nothing a- wrong absolutely with so, nothing wrong. So we don't need to make fun of it and say that, you know, that's, isn't that something you find in your dryer? Yeah, I know. Did yeah. I do that? Yeah. <laughs> I actually, uh, I actually do things for Lent, just personally, uh, but yeah. I, I do it not so religiously. It's just like kind of a rhythm for me, the 40 days of, yeah. I, I get off social media. That's one thing I do during Lent. So. It's a helpful, helpful way to mark out a period of time. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have been listening to the Sound in Faith podcast coming to you from Faith Baptist Fellowship in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It's been so good having this conversation nice today. Conversation. Really enjoyed it. And uh, I just want to encourage everybody in what we said. If you're looking to be discipled, go find someone, ask them to disciple you. If you've never discipled someone, find that young man, find that young woman in your church, take them under your wing um, and, and spend some time with them intentionally seeking to point them to Christ. Awesome. Awesome. Good conversation today. This has been the Sound and Faith Podcast. I'm Pastor Thomas Lawson. And I'm Pastor Mike Johnson. And Lord willing, we'll see you Sunday.